Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? John chapter 11 verses 25 through 26. These are the words of Yeshua, our Messiah, as he spoke to Martha about raising her brother Lazarus from the dead. As we learned from our last episode, Passover in the New Testament, Yeshua demonstrated to his disciples at the Last Supper that he is the fulfillment of all the longings the Jewish people had about the ultimate deliverance promised in the Old Testament scriptures. On that night, Jesus declared himself to be the bread of life as he identified his body with the middle piece of matzah, usually broken, hidden, and then revealed again. So, while the Passover reminds us of God's promise of redemption, The resurrection is the joyful fulfillment of that promise. To help us understand the significance of Yeshua's resurrection, we have invited digital apologist Jennifer Miles to share her insights. And now I introduce the host of Our Hope Podcast, Abraham Vazquez. Jennifer, it's so good to have you, uh, not only on this episode of Our Hope, but just as part of our ministry in general. We're really excited to hear from you today. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm happy to be here. Uh, so before we start, can you talk a little bit about your expertise? Like what what, uh, what do you do at Chosen People Ministries? What is one of those things that you're most passionate about? Yeah, so I work with our digital evangelism sector with Chosen People Answers. And so our main task with Chosen People Answers is researching, writing, and editing apologetics material to make a defense for the faith, to show how belief in Jesus or Yeshua as the Jewish Messiah is a rational thing to do. And so Hmm. that's really my passion and my main job with Chosen People Ministries. That's awesome. And so I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Passover and the foods that are given on Passover. So what is your favorite Passover meal or food that's that's served? Yes. So I would have to say matzo ball soup. I really <laughs> love matzo ball soup. 
but I have never made it myself yet. So this year I actually typed in easy, easy matzo ball soup recipes, and I'm going to attempt to make my, my own for the first time ever this year. So we'll see how that goes. That's great. And what was, when was the first time you ever tried matzo ball soup? It was years ago when I was around 10, I actually attended a messianic Passover Seder presentation when I had it Mm. for the first time. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. So you attended this Messianic Passover Seder. Would you say that this was a point when Passover became significant to you as a Gentile believer in Yeshua? Actually, not really. I was too young for it to be that formative, I think. I I just Mm -hmm. don't remember it sticking out that much when I was 10. I remember going to it. But I also attended another one as an adult. I would say Passover really became significant for me when I joined staff with Chosen People Ministries, because I had to interact with it in a way that I never have before. When I started researching to prepare my own Passover presentations, I was just in awe of the significance and the parallels between Yeshua's Last Supper and how so many of the elements point to him. So as you were learning about Passover, as you were making those connections, clearly there's a strong connection between Jesus and the Passover. And uh, many of us know, you know, that middle piece of matzah, which is that is broken, hidden and revealed again during the Seder is a beautiful representation of the resurrection. So how else does Jesus use the Last Supper to reveal redemption and salvation for those who believe? Yeah, that's a great question. So in addition to the afikoman and the matzotash, I know you guys talked about that on the last episode. Jesus also talks about the cup of redemption, the cup of wine, signifying his blood that would be about to be shed. And it's interesting that in Luke twenty-two twenty, he writes, Jesus says, this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. And it says, after they had eaten, he took the cup and, and said that. So that's how we know that it was actually of the four cups of wine at the Seder, it was the third cup, the cup of redemption that takes place after the supper that Jesus said, this cup of redemption is the new covenant in my blood. And so he was showing his disciples that just as God had delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt years ago and redeemed them, he's saying, now I'm redeeming you from your sins. And this Mm. is going to be enacted in my blood. And so his disciples would have been well aware of that statement when Jesus said he was enacting the new covenant. Because in Jeremiah 31, the prophet Jeremiah wrote of a new covenant that God promised he would send his people where he would write his law on their hearts. And he said, I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sins no more. So Jesus is saying, that promise is now coming to fruition. I am enacting the new covenant in my blood and I'm going to forgive your sins and remember your iniquities no more. I know as a Gentile believer, when I first started hearing of these connections of of Jesus and the Last Supper and uh, just the life of Jesus to Passover, um, my mind was blown. I was I was shocked. I was it was it, it was such a revelation for me. So I'm just curious when you started exploring these parallels and these connections, what was your reaction? 
Yeah, I was amazed just at seeing how God is so purposeful with everything, how nothing is random with his timing and how these aspects of the Passover Seder that God had instituted, you know, all the way in Exodus, the the bitter herbs and the matzah, how years later he would use the matzah as a picture of Jesus, just how mm. everything he does is so purposeful and it has, it's all to point us to him. Just kind of going back to resurrection, I, I know many of us, we, we hear about people being raised from the dead throughout the scriptures. Uh, and that bef- that's before Yeshua's resurrection. But how is his resurrection, Yeshua's resurrection, different from some of those stories that we hear in scripture? That's a great question. I think it's significantly different in a few different ways. One, his resurrection, as opposed to all the other resurrections, it seals our redemption and it reveals proof that God had accepted his sacrifice and authenticated Jesus's message. I know the Jewish apostle Paul in his message on Mars Hill, when he was talking with the philosophers there in Athens, he says that God has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So Paul was using the resurrection as a proof to show that God had authenticated Yeshua's message, that he was who he claimed to be, the Messiah. I think in addition, it shows the fulfillment of prophecy and that that sets Jesus's resurrection apart from all others and that Hmm. it was actually prophesied, especially in Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah, he wrote about this suffering servant, the Messiah, who would be like a lamb led to the slaughter. He says he would be cut off from the land of the living. He would be rendered as a guilt offering. He says, but then he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. So we see this sinless suffering servant dying on behalf of his people and then resurrecting, says he didn't stay there. And then in addition, we see Peter and Paul, they applied the prophecy of Psalm 1610 to the Messiah when the psalmist wrote, you will not abandon my soul to shield, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay, showing that he would resurrect. And then in the third way, I think it also provides us hope in that Jesus's resurrection is a picture of all of ours to come for all those who have put their faith in him. That's incredible. So in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul mentions that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. What does he mean by this? And how is this connected to the festival of first fruits that's in Leviticus? Yeah, so that's a great piggyback off of what I just said about how Jesus' resurrection gives us hope of our coming resurrection, because that's what Paul meant in 1 Corinthians 15. He was speaking of the Feast of First Fruits, where God told the Israelites in Leviticus 23, he said, at the beginning of spring, when you receive, when the first harvest comes in, offer the best, your first fruits to God. And those fruits are a picture of the coming fruits, the coming harvest, kind of like a a down payment of the fruits that are to come. And Hmm. so Paul created a parallel between that and Jesus's resurrection. We actually know that Yeshua 
was raised from the dead on the feast of first fruits and then paul says his resurrection is like the first fruits of ours to come we know that just like he rose from the dead we will as well on the last day so i i know that this goes into some of your expertise of just kind of understanding how judaism sees some of these things so what what does judaism teach about the idea of resurrection yeah so recently i've been researching this topic because i'm working on an article defending the resurrection um, to a Jewish audience from a Jewish perspective for Chosen People Answers. So it's interesting how it is such a core tenet of traditional Judaism and how the rabbis believed that in the messianic age and in the world to come, God would resurrect the bodies of the dead to be reunited with their souls. And the rabbis in the Mishnah, they even went so far as to say that any Jewish person who does not believe in the resurrection has no part in the world to come. So they believed strongly that this was a core tenet of Judaism, and they regarded anyone who didn't agree with them as heretics. And that included the Sadducees, Samaritans, and others like them who didn't believe in it. And then in addition, in the Jewish scriptures themselves, we see in Daniel 12 too, the prophet wrote, many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake these to everlasting life but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt so there in the prophet daniel we see that the bodies of those who are sleeping in the dust of the earth there's going to be a resurrection to life and then to everlasting contempt it says and then we also see in the amidah prayer jewish people pray this three times a day where it includes a blessing praising god as the resurrector of the dead and then Maimonides, one of the most influential Jewish medieval philosophers, he included it in his 13 principles of Jewish faith. Hmm. And then it's interesting that we also get a glimpse of Second Temple Judaism in the New Testament. And we see that in John 11, when Jesus's friend Lazarus died, Martha, his sister, ran up to Jesus and she said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But then she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day, revealing that core Jewish belief where they believed that the resurrection on the last day would come. And then I also think it's interesting in Luke 20, we see the Sadducees, which was one of the groups that the rabbis regarded as heretics, the Pharisees, right. because they did not believe in the resurrection. So Jesus had a dialogue with them. They came up challenging him about his belief in the resurrection. And they said, well, the law of Moses says that if a man dies, his brother is to marry his wife. Well, what if that man has seven brothers and each dies and then the next has to keep marrying her? Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And then Jesus explains, he says, in the resurrection, there will be no more marriage. He knew where they were coming from, that they were challenging him because they didn't believe this core doctrine and then he quotes scripture like he does often. He says, Moses called God the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. We'll be right back. We 
We hope you're enjoying this episode of Our Hope Podcast. Explore this theme further with our two-book set, Messiah and the Passover and the Gospel and the Passover. In Messiah and the Passover, you will find the link between Passover and the Last Supper, the spiritual meaning of leaven, how our Messiah fulfills the requirements for the sacrifice of the Passover lamb, and wonderful extras, including Passover recipes, a Messianic Haggadah, which is the program for a Passover Seder, and even lessons for children. The Gospel and the Passover is a condensed version of Messiah and the Passover and makes a great gift to give to a friend. This month, you can buy both books bundled together for only $19.95 and receive free shipping. Shop now at ourhopepodcast.com slash Passover bundle. So Jennifer, in light of this discussion, how should we as believers posture our hearts during this Passover season and as we approach Resurrection Day? Yeah, I think a few ways. I think one is humble, remembering the cost of our redemption and resurrection when we're looking at how the Passover lambs will be slaughtered and then what Jesus went through on the cross dying for us as our Passover lamb. And then I also think hopeful looking Mm -hmm. forward to our future resurrection in light of Jesus's resurrection. I know for me, many times when I'm looking around at the suffering in this world and just what's going on, it can depress me. And so just knowing that a better day is coming and there will be no more suffering and no more death that Jesus's resurrection has guaranteed that. And then I think it should also put in us a burden to share this with others because as that passage in Daniel 12, 2 says, God will raise everyone from the dust of the earth one day, but we're not mm-hmm. all going the same place. So I think that's really important to share the hope in Jesus that we could be resurrected to everlasting life with him. And, and in speaking of this hope, how should we as believers share this hope with our Jewish friends and family during Passover week? Yeah. Now, as the apologist in me, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's always important to emphasize the the truth nature of this and the apostle paul who was a jewish pharisee he said that if messiah has not been raised then your faith is in vain so he was saying that if jesus is not risen from the dead he's not who he claimed to be he's not the passover Mm -hmm. lamb he's not the messiah and your sins are not forgiven i think the truth of belief in jesus really hinges on the fact of whether he rose from the dead or not. And so it's really important to get our Jewish friends and and even Gentile friends to see the importance of the issue in that it's a it's a truth issue of whether or not it actually happened and and showing that it's a historical claim that Jesus mm. rose from the dead and that means it can be verified historically and I actually think that there's a strong historical case for the resurrection of Jesus. And one of those arguments that's put forth, I will share very briefly, it's called the minimal facts argument for the resurrection. And it was developed by a New Testament scholar. His name is Gary Habermas. And I love his approach because he reviewed all, virtually all scholars in this field and said that skeptic believer alike, atheist believer, Virtually everyone agrees that 
Jesus died by crucifixion. That's a fact mm-hmm. of history. Jesus, Jesus's disciples sincerely believed he rose from the dead. So they're not all agreeing that Jesus rose from the dead, but Jesus's disciples at least sincerely believed that because they lost everything proclaiming it, including their lives, dying brutal deaths. Mm-hmm. And then we know that the apostle Paul was a Jewish Pharisee who was against the sect of Jewish believers in Jesus, trying to squash it, what he viewed as a heresy. And then he had an experience that suddenly made him become a Jewish follower of Jesus Mm -hmm. and one who was willing to go to his death proclaiming that. He also lost everything. And then likewise, we know Jesus's brother James was a skeptic and then suddenly became a believer in him. And then virtually all scholars also agree that the tomb was empty. And so these are facts that we all have to wrestle with, believer in Jesus, believer and not believer in Jesus alike. And I think that the best explanation of these facts is that Jesus really rose from the dead. I think that the naturalistic theories fail in one way or another. And so I think that when we're talking with our friends, it's really important to emphasize this as well, that it's it's worth their investigation, worth looking into. In addition to the historical evidence, I think it's important to share how, like I mentioned earlier, it's the fulfillment of prophecy, especially Isaiah 53, that the Messiah Mm. would suffer, die, and rise again. And then I also think it's important to discuss some of the things we've talked about in this podcast about the strong connections between Yeshua and the Passover and how so many of the elements point to him. And when we're using some of these um, facts that you laid out for us, which were awesome, by the way, um, how do we do that in a respectful way? Um, How can we defend our faith without being defensive in the negative sense? Yeah, I think that's a great question when we're talking with our loved ones and friends about these things and so that we don't get too argumentative and on the defensive remembering that the scriptures tell us to share the truth in love and so we are supposed to share these truths but in a loving way and we don't always have to go right on the defensive either i think many times it's important to ask questions to really see where someone is coming from and what exactly they believe about the things we've shared. So I love the asking questions approach. I think many times we forget to do that. Yeah, and I would even encourage just to listen, even if you don't necessarily have the answer, you know, just sit there, listen, hear them out and say, hey, I'll get back to you. (laughs) You know, you don't have to have an answer for everything. Exactly, I agree. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today and, and talking through the Passover and the resurrection. I hope this is okay, but congratulations on your pregnancy and thank you uh, so your, much your, your baby's <laughs> on the way yes he's due in june <laughs> due in june so we're we're praying for you and your husband and uh, we just wish you all the best in this journey thank you so much and i hope you get plenty of sleep with your new little one <laughs> as <laughs> thank well you. thank you so much thank you for having me He is risen. The grave is empty. Our faith rests on this cornerstone, that Yeshua the Messiah died a criminal's death for our sin and was raised to life again on the third day. 2,000 years ago, Yeshua's disciples experienced this hope, and we share in this same hope today. 
Let us remember that we wait with expectation for the return of our Messiah, the first fruits of the resurrection. He triumphed over death and has overcome the world. And in him, the redemption story of Passover is completed. May you experience the joy of his salvation and the resurrection power. Learn more about the connection between our Messiah and Passover during our virtual Messiah in the Passover Seder happening tomorrow, March 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Sign up for free at chosenpeople.com slash Passover Live. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Hope. This episode was brought to you by Dr. Mitch Glazer, Jennifer Miles, Nicole Valka, Grace Swee, Kyron Bautista, and Neil Suraski. I'm Abe Vasquez. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out ourhopepodcast.com or chosenpeople.com. See you next time.